thank you, friend, for joining us this morning into New Life Church Online. And uh, I believe uh, many members of New Life Church uh, in Abu Dhabi, they are connected right now. And uh, we praise God indeed because our Lord Jesus Christ has paid, has paid it all. And we can now stand and worship God this morning freely in his righteousness. It is through his sacrifice that we stand here or we are able to stand here this morning. So if uh, you have been with us, uh, we have been going through the Gospel of Luke. And we have started from, verse, uh, from chapter 1 to chapter 9 like chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And then we went to a small series on the parables of Jesus. And today we are ending this series uh, with chapter 20, verses 9 to 19, where we see the parable of the wicked tenant. If in last week Jesus was in Jericho when he taught the parable of the ten minas, minas, in our passage today, Jesus is already in Jerusalem, and this is his last week. Uh, we know the week prior Jesus' crucifixion is known as the Passion Week. So in our passage today, Jesus is already in that Passion Week, the week before his death on the cross. In the context of our passage, Jesus is teaching the people in the temple. And he, he is also preaching the gospel to the people, as we see there in verse 1 of chapter 20. And as Jesus is doing this, uh, we see there that some scribes and priests they come and they interrogated Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. He is interrogated by the chief priests and the scribes with the elder, elders, which looks like an official inquired from the Sanhedrin because of Jesus' recent activities in the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, we didn't see that, but if you just flip your pages or see chapter 19, you will see verse 45, if you have the title of that passage, Jesus cleansed the temple. And I believe that's why then uh, the Sanhedrin people or members of Sa Sa Sanhedrin came and questioned Jesus about the authority by which he does these things. We see there in verse 2, yeah, if uh, verse 2 of chapter 20. So when they made that question, Jesus didn't answer them directly. We see Jesus giving or making a, a, a question back to them in an answer to their question. And they could not answer that question that Jesus made. And Jesus in verse 8 said, uh, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So this is the context when uh, Jesus, or for our passage, or for our parable today, is the context of the interrogation of the Sanhedrin member to Jesus about his authority. Jesus doesn't reply them directly, but he goes on, turn to the people, and start telling this parable that we will see today in our passage. So let's open our Bible then, in our Bibles, in the book of Luke, chapter 20, from verse 9 to verse 19. And uh, if you don't have one, I believe we will have also the words on your screen. So, verse 9, the Bible says, And he began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and let it out to the tenants 
and went into another country for a long while. When the time came, he sent a servant to the tenant so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent another servant. But they also beat and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third. This one also they wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, Surely not. King James will say, God forbid. But he looked directly at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour, for they perceived that he had told this parable against them, but they feared the people. Let's pray, asking for God's assistance uh, at this moment. Father, once again, I, I want to declare my total, de I depend totally on you, Lord. And I want to surrender my life unto you because my weakness, O oh Lord, are always before me, Lord. And I know that there is no word in me uh, able to transform the hearts of my brothers and sisters, O oh Lord, that are listening to this message. But I pray, O oh Lord, for your guidance and for your help. I stand here knowing, O oh Lord, that it's only because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that I can do so, Lord. And even as I was preparing this message, Lord, you have shown in my life many areas, O oh Lord, that I still need to conform to what you desire from me. And I pray, Lord, that uh, the same spirit that has taught us or taught me this will teach my brother, my sister this morning. And that you will enable us for us to be able to respond back to you with joyful obedience, O oh Lord, that we will not harden our hearts, but embrace your word, not as a word of men, but as a word that comes from you, Lord. And in doing so, Lord, I plead with you, change my life, change our lives, that anything that is hindering us, O oh Lord, to know your power that is at work within us. Lord, let today be the day, O oh Lord, that we'll say, O oh Lord, thank you, O oh Lord, for setting us free, Father. Change us and glorify your name. We pray all this knowing, Lord, that you are able to do exceedingly above anything that we can ask or think according to your power that is at work within us. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. If you are here in Abu Dhabi and uh, 
you are watching to this worship service in the comfort of your home, I believe and I am pretty much sure about what I'm going to say. Maybe 99.9% of you sitting on your home, this place that you are calling your home is not really your house. Am I right? So I believe you are in a rented house. <laughs> and uh, this is uh, common in Abu Dhabi. Few people, they own their own house or they live in their own houses. And the house you are living right now, as beautiful as it is, as comfort as it is, it's a rented house. It's not your, yours. So being a rented house, you as a tenant have the right to live in it as long as you fulfill the obligation to pay to the owner of the house or the property management company that you have rented it from, they are due rent, let me say, money. You need to pay them as established by the contract you both have signed within certain terms and conditions. But just imagine then that one day someone comes and says, oh, your house is so beautiful, I want to buy that. And then you decided, okay, I can make some money from, from this uh, purchase. And you decide then to uh, sell the house. What do you think that the owner of that house will do to you if you go ahead and sell the house without his permission? What do you think will happen to you? See, living in a house as a tenant, we do not have the right to sell the property to another. If the case is taken to the court, you will be punished by that act. We understand then that some awful mistakes can happen when those who are tenants being acting as if they were owners. The more valuable the property they occupy, the more responsibility they have to treat it carefully. Can you imagine tenants in a beautiful mansion who refuse to pay rent and who, who threaten to beat up those whom the owner sends to collect the rent? They may argue, we live here. We are here, how many years, Brother Ray? 12, 13, 14 years? I've been paying this house is mine. You can argue about that. But maybe the owner will say, no sense. This house is mine and I have rented to you. With this in mind, that gives us a picture of what is going on in this parable here. And this leads me to my first point this morning, which is the context of this parable, which is from verse 9 till the first part of verse 10. See with me there. And he began to tell the people this parable. And remember the introduction when I say that Jesus is in the temple. He is being confronted by the Pharisees. And he uh, confronted by the Pharisees about authority, the topic of authority. And he began then telling this parable. This is important for you to have at the back of your mind for this passage here. Okay, let me continue then. And he began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and let it out to the tenants and then went, it, went into another country for so long. For a long while, sorry. When the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants to, uh, so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. So this was common in uh, the time of our Lord Jesus Christ in Israel. And uh, I really believe that in many parts of the world, 
this custom still is applied. People could have a, a very big uh, uh, farming land and they will rent to uh, farmers, like for them to produce or to cultivate that land and uh, produce from that land and from that production, they will set some percentage for the owner and for their benefit as, as well. So when these people, they heard the word vineyard, for sure they will know what Jesus is talking about. Remember, this is a parable, okay? But when they will hear the, wo the word vineyard, they will know exactly what Jesus is talking about. Why do I say so? These people were all of them educated in the law of Moses, in the Old Testament. And prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 7, he says this, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. He looked for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. My point over there is that very clearly Isaiah is saying that the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. So that is what Jesus is addressing. So the vineyard is the Israelite or the house of Israel. And with that in mind, he continued, and I pass to my second point this morning, which is the tenant's heart attitude from the last part of verse, of verse 10 uh, to verse 15a. And then we will uh, explain a little bit more what this parable is about. So continue reading. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent another servant, but they say also, uh, but they also beat and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third. This one also they wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they say to themselves, this is the heir, the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance uh, may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. So we see here then that after this owner of this vineyard rented the vineyard to this tenant, he went away for a long time. A long while, and because he was uh, uh, he was uh, away, and he didn't come himself, he sent a servant to collect. See that word, some of the fruit of the vineyard, because I believe they have agreed in the percentage. He, as an owner, should benefit also from that production. And remember, he is the owner of that vineyard. But unfortunately, these tenants, they said, no way. Uh, uh, we will not give you anything. So the servant that the owner has sent to collect that fruit of the vineyard, they beat him and they sent him away empty-handed. And this will be something uh, uh, like for the hearers, for Jesus hear us on that time, something that will arise, their self-righteousness. I believe if Jesus is telling this part, they will say, no, 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 no. This guy can, can or these tenants, they cannot make that. It is not right. It is against the law. And beating someone is really against the law. You will see them really having that self-righteousness coming up. 
But the other thing that would be uh, uh, like for us to wonder, first of all, not only the reaction of this tenant, but also the attitude of the owner. If you have sent the first one, the tenant has beaten them. The second one, they have treated him shamefully and see the degree of the, 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 the harm that they are doing. The, the third one, they wounded and cast them out in verse 12. So you as the owner put yourself in his place. What should you do in that situation? I'm sure you will raise a complaint in, the, in, in a court in that, mo in that time it was the Sanhedrin. So, because you have the law in your favor for you to uh, uh, uphold that law and for you to recover your land. But amazingly, this owner didn't do that. And see, in verse 13, he asks, what shall I do? He decided then to send his beloved son. But now, keep seeing the attitude of these tenants. Verse 14. When they saw the son of the owner, they say, look, this is our time. Let's kill him. Let's finish him up. And then let this inheritance be ours. We will be the owner of this inheritance. They thought, they elaborated, and they went to kill the son of the owner. Now, let's stop and start thinking about what Jesus is trying to teach them in here. Brothers and sisters, at the beginning I said that vineyard corresponds to Israel. And the servant that the owner who is God, who chose, who planted Israel, who planted uh, uh, the vineyard. The owner who is God has sent people to Israel while they were going away from him for many, many years. When the Bible says over there in verse 1 that the owner went for a long while, the Bible is speaking of all Old Testament story from even the creation to the call of Abraham and to the old story of Israel. And during this period of time, while Israel was apostating or going away from God, God has sent many prophets, his servant, to represent him, calling out the Israelite to consider the agreement that they have made with God. And let me say that the, the biblical word would be the covenant. The covenant that Israel had with God. So the prophets were calling up Israel to repentance. See, you are, you are doing wrong by going away from God. Repent and come back and reconsider the agreements that we have with, or the covenant that we have with God. But as the prophet came, like Jesus uh, called out the Pharisees in Matthew 23. We see that they despised and rejected the servants or the prophet. And doing so, they are rejecting God himself who sent them to represent him. And at the end, what God did? He sent his beloved son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to Israel. But unfortunately, Israel, even in that moment, they decided not to embrace the son, the son of the owner of the vineyard. 
they planted, they fought, they planted, and they killed Jesus Christ, the beloved son of our heavenly father. So what then this has to do with us today, you may ask. If this is for Israel, Pedro, why are you telling us this story? Why we do, do we have this story in here in the Gospel of Luke? First of all, because the tenants' heart attitudes represent our attitude as humanity. It was not only Israel that God has created. God is the creator of heaven and earth. And let me tell you, God is the creator of your own life. God owns you because he created you. We can think that there is this autonomy. We are independent from God. We can be self-governed. But this is a lie according to the scriptures. And let God be true and every man a liar. You belong to Jesus Christ. You belong to God. Why? The first thing, because he created you. But unfortunately, humanity in Adam, they declared independence from God saying, Though you have created me, though I am your vineyard, though I am in your vineyard, and the other idea of the vineyard that you can uh, think is the world that we live. Remember that in the beginning, God has created the, the garden and placed man in that garden. And the Psalms, several times, they say that the world belongs to, to God. And all that is in the world, including you. So let's say that vineyard is you, your life, the land that you have. This world belongs to, to God. Everything belongs to God, including you. But in Adam, as I was saying, we declared independence. We say, let's take this vineyard for, for us. We rebelled against, against God. And this, unfortunately, it's in us till today. Human beings have that myth in their mind of autonomy, of independence, of self-govern. They think or we think that we are self-sufficient in us. The same thing that Adam did. Human beings are repeating doing actually today. Adam said, God, I don't care what you say. I want this fruit. I'm going to eat no matter what you have said. Why? I am God for myself. We are playing God. Humanity is playing God. To the point that people say that there is no God. There is no authority above us. We, are, we belong to ourselves. There, there are doctrines out there teaching that you are God for yourself. And very subtly, sub, uh, subtle, yeah, that's the words, my English. So there are doctrines coming and trying to teach you to become your own God. When people say, speak out what is in your mind. When people say that you have the right for your voice to be heard. You have uh, freedom to do whatever you desire. As long as you like, do it. People are trying to teach even our kids that they are God for themselves. And this is a lie. Why? We are a created being. We belong to God. Wendy, this morning when she was praying, she said, because God, you created us, we belong to him. We belong to you. 
And because we belong to you, we need to obey. Let me add here that God's love language for us is obedience. When then humanity declared this independence, like these tenants they tried to do, they thought that the owner would not care. See that they misinterpret the patience of this owner. How do we see the patience of this owner here? And this leads me to my third point this morning, which is found in, in continuing our reading in verse 15b to 16a, the owner's response. We see that this owner responded to their rebellion, to their call of independence, by sending them servants, by sending them servants to call them to their own responsibility of paying back what they have agreed. Brothers and sisters, even when we give our lives to Christ, we never cease to belong to, to, to Christ. And the Bible clearly says that now we are double for those that are believers. We are twice God's. First, because he created us. Second, because he saved us in our Lord Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, even being saved by him, we want to play, still to play, owners of this vineyard, which is your life. You want to do with your life what you want. You don't want to that God will establish what you need to do. God say, read the word. We don't read the word. God says, pray. We don't pray. God says, love your husband. We, women, you don't love your husbands. Uh, let me rephrase. Husband, love your wives. We don't love our wives. Wives, submit to your husband. We don't submit to our, our uh, ladies. You don't submit to the husband. Why? Because there are so many philosophy in our minds that say, I can do whatever I want to do. Children, obey your parents. They don't obey. Why? Because I have word in this house, and my voice needs to be heard, and so forth. Unfortunately, believers, we are behaving as if our lives belong to us and to us alone. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 2, verse 4, for us not to presume in the patience and love kindness of God. Because this patience and love kindness is meant to take us to repentance. And what this repentance looks like, you admit if you are not a believer that you have been uh, a rebel against God. And give your life to Christ and submit to his rulership and his leadership in your life. If you are a believer, it's where your daily life, daily choices. And that's where it got me in this message. Your daily choices, everything around your life needs to be aligned with the honor of your life. Your entertainment your free time, your job, everything, your, 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 your family life, everything in your life should be according to the honor. But please, see here that him being an honor and giving us this vineyard, our lives, he gives us privileges in the same way that in your rent house, you can decorate it the way you want. You can do whatever you want in your house. You have also privilege 
in this relationship with God as our owner. He gives us privilege. It's not that we don't have freedom as long as it is in the boundaries that he has proposed to us. That we will live our life freely. I repeat, as long as it is in the boundaries that uh, God has established in his word. And we see here also a generosity of this owner. He has given us a lot for us to enjoy. To Adam, he said, you can eat from every tree. But only from that tree of the knowledge, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, you will not touch. That's the limit. You don't pass that boundary. But he did. But the generosity of God is seen in the abundance of things that he has given us. But with that, he has also entrusted that some responsibilities. And we cannot ignore that, but we do often. And I gave already examples. And when we do that, it seems that we take the patience of the Father for granted. This leads me to my fourth and last point in this message. The lesson from the parable. See with me verse 16b to, till 19. Jesus said, What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, surely not. Oh, God forbid, it will not happen. But he looked directly at them and said, What then? What then is this that is written? The stone that the builders has rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour, they, for they perceived that he had told this parable against them. So Jesus, remember, he is about to give his life for uh, the humanity. And we see that he is giving to these Pharisees, we can say, a last opportunity for them to consider the attitude of their hearts. Jesus is saying, see the tenant's heart, this is your heart. You are about to kill the son of the owner of the vineyard. Christ has established you as the leaders of Israel for you to guide people to him. But now you want to be owner of the house of Israel, thinking that the owner of Israel is not seeing that. And see the word Jesus uses in verse 13 when he says there, then, uh, when he says there, what shall I do? Speaking about the honor, I will send my beloved son. We see this word beloved son in Luke 3, 22. When Jesus, in Jesus' baptism, they heard a voice that says, this is my beloved son. And we remember also, John 3.16, when the word says that God so loved he, the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. What Jesus is saying to these Pharisees is, look, I am the Messiah. I am that stone that the builders have rejected. And here Jesus is quoting from the opening scripture reading this morning from Psalm 119, verses 22 and 23. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. 
And this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus is saying, if you reject me, I am the chosen cornerstone. I am the one that is calling you guys to repentance. If you reject me, verse 18, this same stone will, broken, will, will, be, will make you to be broken to pieces. This is what Jesus is saying right here. Jesus is telling them about the, the judgment that should happen to the, to the house of Israel if they rejected the Messiah. And actually, the house of Israel did that. We remember that the center of the uh, worship of Israel was the temple. And the in, on 17 AD, that temple was destroyed. And the house of Israel was scattered. That was God's judgment. And ever since, Israel has rejected God or the Messiah and has been judged. This gospel came to the Gentiles. That's what Jesus, in the context there, he's saying that uh, he, the owner will destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. You remember in Acts 13, when Paul was and Barnabas, they were, their gospel proclamation was, uh, was rejected in the city of Antioch. They said, okay, we will go to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles receive God's word with gladness. This is what the Bible is teaching us today. So what is then the application for us again? Israel, or the eminent judgment of Israel, happened already. But we also, we are going to the day of judgment. Let me explain this better. The Bible says that for all humanity, there will be one day that you and me, we all, we will have to give an account how we have lived our lives in this world, which is God's vineyard. Oh, and when we are standing before God, I cannot give an account of Vitorina's life or of my brother's life. I can only give an account of my own life. She cannot give an account of my life. She will give only an account of her life. When Christ will ask, Pedro, did you love your wife? I have to be sure that I will say yes. And when God will ask, Vitorina, did you submit to your husband? She must make sure to say yes in love. When Christ will come and ask, Oliver, did you submit to John, your father? Did you obey him? It's better for you to be ready and say, yes, I did, Lord. John, did you take your son or grew, uh, taught your son to grow in the Lord? We need or you need to be ready to say, yes, I did. Those are the examples. In every aspect of your life, managers, did you manage your company as you should? You need to say yes. Teachers, did you love your students as you should? Did you steal time by doing things that you would not be supposed to do during the school hours? You need to respond to that. Everyone, without exception. And if you find guilty, see what the Bible says. And this is a sober thought for us. The Bible says, if you are fine like this tenant, that God 
will destroy those tenants. God will destroy, and this is what verse 18 says, that those, everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And this is a life of eternity far away from God. Why not then you receive God's word today to allow your heart to be broken and you receive the enablement of God for you to do his will? David said that a, a broken and contrite heart God will never reject. Brothers and sisters, this is a sober warning that God is giving us today. Judgment is coming. One day, the, the way we are seeing this world, one day this world will pass away. The owner will come. I repeat, the owner of your life will come. And you need to give an account to him. What will you be saying to him? Whenever we hear God's word, brothers and sisters, and when the Holy Spirit teaches us and compels us, convincing us from something from God's word, which I believe he might be doing right now in your life, Every time that you ignore, every time that you disobey, we are hardening our hearts. Spiritually talking, there is not a neutral ground when God's word is being presented to us. As long as it is a faithful presentation of God's word. Every time that you hear God's word and you ignore it, you are hardening your heart to unbelief. That's why Hebrews say to us, when today, if you hear God's words, do not harden your heart. And this is what God is saying to us today. What is the area of your life that you need right now to align with God and stop living like you were the owner of your own life? What is the entertainment, that's for me, that you need, Pedro, to leave aside to seek God? more diligently. What about you? God is calling us for a time of renewal and encouragement as New Life Church. If we are, if we have here to hear, let's do that right now. I pray that God will teach us that apart from Jesus, we cannot do anything. And that we will seek him and his kingdom with all our heart, being really intentional in everything that we do, simply because we belong to him twice. He created us and he saved us. Friend, if you are here or if you are listening to me and you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, you, if you are still thinking that your life belongs to you, let me say that your life belongs to Christ. Your life belongs to God. And he's saying, now for us to have fellowship, you need to come to me through my son, Jesus Christ. Don't be like this tenant that killed the son of the owner. But embrace the gospel. Embrace the salvation 
that he conquered for us at the cross of Calvary. May God speak to our hearts and may the Holy Spirit keep ministering in us what the Lord wants for us this morning. Let's pray. Father, we know that your patience, we know that your love, kindness is not to be taken for granted, Lord. Romans 2, 4, you said very clearly, Pedro, if I am patient with you, is to lead you to repentance. And this word is for all of us, O oh Lord, that we are listening to you right now. I pray that your Holy Spirit will make us understand that our lives are not ours, O oh Lord. Our lives, they belong to you. And because of that, we need to learn to joyfully obey you, Lord. Teach us to do that as individuals as a family, as a faith family, Lord, teach us to do that. Throughout this series, you have challenged us in many ways for us to seek your kingdom by studying you, your word, by looking you or to understand you in your word, to comprehend you in your word even seeking you in prayer. You have challenged us to love our enemies. You have challenged us, O oh Lord, to do many things, O oh Lord. And I know when you do that, you give us your spirit to enable us to do what you have requested us to do as long as we are willing, Lord, to receive your guidance and your support. Lord, I pray, I plead with you as we close this session of the parables that we will not forget your word, that we will take, we will hear and heed to your word away from us any heart of unbelief, Lord. I plead with you, even for me. I plead with you in our unbelief, Lord, we say, help us, we believe. We trust our lives to you. The entrance of God's word gives light. Enlight our eyes so that we can see that this world will pass away. Eternity is coming. And you are having us preparing to that day or for that day that we will give an account of our lives to you as we live our lives in this world. Lord, may your name be glorified and may your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.